and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Oh, we love this. And I'm Daniel. Hey, everybody. It's Halloween time. It <laughs> is. <laughs> Spooky time. Well, was, was, that your, was that like an evil cackle? Yes. Okay. That, that's my segue into my little scary sound. Oh, oh, I see. By the way, I I have heard the sound effect that you're talking about, and it's <laughs> fantastic. I've been waiting for somebody to comment on this scary it's, sound effect that I it use. It goes every on year. for way too long, <laughs> and I love it. All the little random sounds that you've put in there, like I, a wolf howling, isn't it? And like thunder, <laughs> and at the very end, there's just a cat meowing for some inexplicable reason it's incredible oh man Um, amazing so i had this idea of whenever i've heard that song used in a scary fashion like that's what i hear in my head right and i but you couldn't find the clip i couldn't find that sound clip now is this like a is this a (laughs) mandela effect things i guess i don't know but like I couldn't. That you could swear that you could find it, but you couldn't find it. <laughs> but so I had to make it myself. So I got um, spooky animal sounds, and I got lightning sounds, and I got the Takata like played on an organ or so something is, like on a church a, organ. So this is handcrafted. And this I, sound effect is. And I made it exactly how I wow. wanted it, and it makes me laugh every time See? I hear it. And it's just for me. <laughs> That's one of those things that it's just for me. I don't care if you like it. I, I wonder if listeners skip through so, it at this. So point. you did this on purpose. <laughs> yes. But it's funny that it you goes com- on for so long. It's funny that you comment on it. It's funny that you comment on it because I do it every year for multiple episodes, and no one has ever said anything about it. So anyway, good stuff. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I did. All right. Uh, <laughs> I did. Ugh. This is our Hellboy book club. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. We are. Um, and all the spinoff titles and everything. We have an extensive catalog. We've done interviews with a lot of the creators. We've developed an awesome friendship catalog and had multiple guests over. And uh, it's been really amazing. It's been And it spawned us to create another podcast, Book Club Members Comics. Book Club Members Comics. We're also doing Halloween stuff there um, all month as mm. well. So if you want some spooky stuff, you got to go over there as well. Yes. And now, Danielle's going to tell you all about it. Oh, we're going to read a thing, and you're going to read a thing that we read, and then you're gonna we're going to talk about what we read, and you're going to listen to us talking about what we read, and then you're going to talk about what we talked about when we talked about the thing that we read, and then we're going to talk about what you talked about when you talked about us talking about the thing that we read. <laughs> and that's a book club, and that's friendship. Back to you, John. Ah, yes. That's the stuff. That's <laughs> the stuff. <laughs> i got some shouts outs for this week shouts outs shouts outs yes i want to shout out wes matthijs ah wes matthijs book club member Mm. yes uh, and sometimes co-host over the book club members comics exactly thank you aubrey we had him on last week to talk about our encounters with evil which is another title that mignola has collaborated on so oh i thought that you meant we were talking with him about just our our everyday encounters. Yeah, we do. With we evil. with our encounters with our personal encounters with evil. No, that's a we, book. That's a different podcast. Yeah, that's a different. 
That's a different story. I don't know about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we had a great episode with Wes last week. We also talked to him about our Baltimore episodes, which is a Mm -hmm. reoccurring episode on our Book Club Members podcast. So hop over there and check it out and hang out with Wes. We actually met him through the Hellboy Book Club. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. Over there. Yeah. I also got to shout out our good pal, Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Ross Radke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that, great. that one's just staying in Full like ride. that. Just, that one's yeah. staying okay. in. Oh man, Ross has his Kickstarter going on right now for the fourth part of Stomped. This completes the Stomped anthology. And if yes. you've missed out on the previous issues, you can get all four of them in this Kickstarter, which I think is amazing. Oh my god, I think like he made seventy five percent of his funding in like three or four days yeah. or something like that. Wasn't yeah. it something well, in- something like that? I know like on the first day he got fifty percent right. Funded. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I saw earlier today that he's at 95 backers. So, you know, uh, he wants to get to 100 and he'll reveal some more pages. You yes. Know? And so far, the art that he shared has been looking amazing. So, yeah, definitely check out that Kickstarter. I've already contributed. Of course, I've always, so got, to, I've always got to get <laughs> my commission from Ross. So uh, I suggest you do, too. And I'll be sharing some of the stuff that he's done for us over the years. Definitely recommend that. And I also wanted to shout out Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Yes, Hayden. He's also a Hellboy Book Club alumni, I guess, or whatever, right? He's been with us for a long yes. time. And he also has his own podcast, Last Book on the Shelf. Is he an alumnus? Great podcast. There you go, alumnus. I think alumni is the plural of alumnus. Okay, well, maybe he's more than one. He's maybe so he's good that several. He's, yeah, maybe he's several. Well, he is, he is on both podcasts, so uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, but you got to check out his podcast as well, Last Book on the Shelf, so I'll be linking that in the show notes. Oh, did we go on that show? I don't know. Did we? We may or may not have been on that show. We may or may not have been on that show. If we weren't on that show, then that means we were all just talking with headphones on for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Just hanging out. Yeah, good stuff. With our friends. um, I highly recommend you hop over there and check that out. We finally got our Drawing Monsters Blu-rays. Oh, my God. Oh, did did that come in? Yes, remember I gave you yes. the shirt. Oh, I have a shirt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. I ordered it's double shirt. shirts. It's a good shirt. I ordered double shirts so we could both have a shirt. I also ordered double print sets, the mini prints. Oh, okay. I couldn't afford the big oh, prints. Oh, nice. We but... buried the lead. I didn't, there's a DVD that came with those shirts. Yes. You were just like, here's a shirt. I was like, oh, cool shirt. Yeah. Like, there's a DVD as well. We've uh, we've had so much going on this week, we haven't had a chance to watch yeah. it. And I really want to save it we for when we, have, when we have time to sit down yeah. and just like, no distractions and just be able to enjoy it. So yeah. probably this weekend we'll check it out. I'm so excited to finally check this thing out. Yes. Um, Arbor, you've already I, seen it, right? And I watched it like Saturday morning. I fucking loved it. I watched all the special features, almost all of them anyway. And it's great. If you're a Hellboy fan, you should definitely check this out. I mean, obviously you if are you're a Hellboy, Hellboy fan, fan you because probably you're listening this to this podcast. <laughs> it was so good. And then like after I watched it, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I just started reading like all of these different Hellboy comics. Like, you know, it's just like I pulled out the library editions and I'm just like basking in the beauty of Hellboy. <laughs> yes. You have all the library editions now. So you're able to enjoy I it. Do. In that format. It's so good. God, that's really good. Let us know what you thought of the documentary. I'd love to get some feedback on that. We can have a good discussion let's talk about that yeah Yeah, we'll talk about it next time and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback listener feedback Feedback. (laughs) you read a story we talk about it you hate them guys us and it's a book club get out we heard from chad langford chad langford Book club member. Yes. Chad said, hey, you damn guys. He said, 
Hi, all. I started listening in early 2022, and mm. I just got to episode 75. Okay. When Brian Levy... Wait, is it, that's this year? Is that this yeah, year? Yeah, he just started yes, listening to it. Yes, that is this year. It. Okay. So, I had to make sure what year it was yeah, I for think, a second there. I think we have like 160-something episodes, oh, so he's maybe like halfway through, I guess. Gosh. Um, he said, Brian Levy just hoped 2020 wouldn't turn out to be a total nightmare. Mm. If only he knew. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> On a lighter note, I really enjoy hearing all the discussion about the Mignolaverse, not having anyone in my day-to-day to discuss it with, and also never having been in an actual book club. Aww. I look forward to hearing the episodes for books you all wished for before they existed, like sort of Hyperborea. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes, That's we great. were wishing for that book, we and then it just came book. true. Wow, I That's never thought awesome. of that. He said, it will probably be a year before I get to hear if you read this aloud, but until then, keep up the good work. Amazing. All the best, Chad Langford. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chad. Oh, man. Yes, thank you, Chad. Uh, if it's a year later, it is currently October 2022 right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's Halloween times. I also wanted to talk about some listener feedback that we got last week on Book Club Member Comics by Callie Kaysen. Mm. Callie Kaysen. Book Club Member. Yes. Callie sent us a great listener feedback on our Baltimore episode, so I read it on that podcast. But then Callie also asked us what was our favorite Hellboy collectible. And we had a really good discussion. When I went back and listened to the episode, I was like, man, this is really fun. And we decided that it was friendship. And we did decide that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, uh, but I was going to link it in here. I was going to link that little bit of the discussion. Man, it's a tough one. I really... The... I assume we're not... Are we including books and other items? Or well, can those be separate categories? Um, well, it, what is the actual question? Hellboy possession. Right. Okay. okay so um, I had been after that Thadrian frog forever. Oh, yeah, It's you a, were. like an actual J yeah. Thadrian frog. Um, oh, really? I, yeah, so... You uh, have so much art, though. You have so much original group. art. So it's so I like that, but these James Heron pages that I bought from Ryan the Ewell... The pages. Yeah, I mean... Lawrence Campbell pages. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this Mignola. Oh, original. maybe that's what it is. You have an right? original Mignola. Yeah, so maybe that's, yeah, that's what amazing. it is. That would have to probably oh, be it. it. I mean, I don't know. It's tough to... It would probably be one of the original pieces of art. If it wasn't art, then it would probably be like one of those relics or that frog sure. or whatever. Something but like I mean, that. isn't that also art? It is. Witch spoon? <laughs> I'm talking about the... Uh, the pages or whatever. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. The yeah. troll witch spoon, that's an amazing you, one. You literally commissioned that fucking sword. Yeah. So oh, that, yes. I don't You've know. You've got tattoos. This is, God, this is a tough question. We've, I, 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 I commissioned all this original art from, yeah, from, uh, Ross. from Ross Rackham. Yeah, we have some amazing art from Ross. I think since Tyler it Crook. all started with Mike Mignola, none of these artists would probably begrudge yeah. you saying from the master himself. Yeah. This yeah. original piece. It's got to be that. Yeah. So, yeah. Because we value all of this art equally, right? But it's kind of like, how do you pick a favorite star yeah. from the sky? Yeah. What about you, Wes? You've got a great uh, collection over there. Jeez, what's my favorite? Mm -hmm. Art? Or oh just Hellboy Possession. What, Hellboy what, Possession. I mean, like John's got all these troll witch spoons and bells and stuff. Maslomi bell and etc. But you've got like some Mark Laszlo pages and stuff like that. I know. I do love my Mark Laszlo. I have like three sketches from him too. Though. Yeah, really those are awesome. Yeah, I don't know. Is that fair? How can I pick a star? I know. You, can't, you can't, like, you know, picking a favorite kid. I guess one of my favorite pieces is like my Ross Radke um, nice. Abe. Oh, uh, that's yeah. a that's a really good one. Or my one. Lawrence Campbell post-it note. <laughs> that's a really good one too, man. Or, or like uh, years ago before the podcast started, I got that little Hellboy animated action figure when it came with the DVD. I oh, still have that. I love that. That's a great action yeah. figure. That's the uh, Sean Galloway. Yeah. Uh, 
art model or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's got yeah. like the barrel bodies, like giant body, body and twig legs. Yep. Yeah, yep, that's the <laughs> yeah, one. That sweet. There's not oh, a sorry. lot that it's mine. It's all John's because he, you know what I mean. I, I but this to... Tanchi Zanyich page, yeah, with fucking the lobster yeah. beating these Nazis to death with a luggage rack is one of the best <laughs> it's things. So awesome. Can't stop staring at these pages that Mass Jackbind gifted us about Kill the Black Flame. That yeah. is seriously... These are some of the first pages. And I mean, yeah. Matt has so few pages. And he, the fact that he made a gift of that to us yeah. is really special because our friendship with him is so special. And it's like, just <clears throat> think of all the years of reading comic books and, and talking to your friends that we've had with Matt Strackbine. And we really, have this right. lovely yeah. gift of art. So that's a really It good symbolizes one. real friendship. It's really cool. Yeah. And yeah. so there's just so much, but it's like, I think the, the ones that are tied to friendship so closely, like the Ross Radke art, the Matt Strackbine art, yeah. and all this other stuff that's so like, that's to me is super special. I um I also have the pencils of that same. Um, you do yes yeah. And I I finally got to hang that up in the house. So it's awesome. It's oh, pretty awesome. awesome. Take yeah. a picture of that. Yes, excellent. Yeah, I mean you guys know this when you get the print from Duncan Fegredo and then he does the he does his sketch in there. He was like, I don't know if he oh, always does that, but every yeah. once in a while he'll do yeah, a sketch. That's really like cool. I really I really love that sketch of Hellboy. Yes. No. Like, yeah. John has some of that. Well, yeah. he did. Um, we bought some sketchbooks from him, and he did some amazing art in those sketchbooks. But the one that he did in Aubrey's sketchbook, yeah, yeah it's really sweet. Uh, I will, I will have to pull that image and repost it. That it's, was an incredible one. Like he really cool. puts some thought yeah. into it and makes it like it's telling a little story. Yeah, yeah. You know really what I mean? Neat. So yeah, send me those, Wes. I'll send you the ones, the Laszlo's as well. And then I, you know, I got a little manual sketches. Nothing crazy. It's just a doodle he did. Oh yes. But then the, um, but the Ross Radke with the friendship thing you know yeah. and i'm like yeah well, i mean i love my ross radkeys that i have up just because yeah. of the book club because i because you guys yeah i haven't even yeah. met ross i have no like i don't right. know I, <laughs> have I even been on an episode with him i don't even think i've ever been on an episode with him oh yeah, we gotta yeah, make well, that happen we make that happen <laughs> there's so much passion and depth to this fandom and it's really intense and it's unlike a lot of other mm -hmm. it's very tight-knit and interesting <clears throat> it is interesting it's yeah. and there's like no hater i don't know they're, they're yeah. there but there's like, like a no haters policy so pol <laughs> yeah i don't know how it's that way it's just because that's how hellboy is yeah it's great because hellboy yeah. is you know looks out for everybody so everybody looks out. everybody embodies that in the yeah. people yeah. that are interested and stick with that character sure. you know they have some of those maybe sensibilities as well it's an interesting thing. yeah that's a, that's i love that yeah. well and everybody that seems to be working on these projects and everybody that's attracted to that and it's just all seems to be at least I haven't really sensed very much toxic animosity in no. our. I've never. Yeah. We've never gotten a. Uh, hate him, guys. That was you know. No. Like, yeah. Hate him, guys. That was no good. No. Or yeah. even in the community, like on Mike Mignola's art on Facebook, right. if there's any any toxic on there, like fucking Jerry Turnbull. Oh, they're out of here. J.C. Yeah. Washburn yeah. and Mark Tweedell. They just they, like they kick shut it well, down. It's very <laughs> well. It's very well moderated. You know, when people are lost or they have a question. Yeah. yeah. Every like people are there right away. It doesn't matter what the question is. People There's are no, there like, right away to help this no, person like find their path. Yeah, exactly. So that's so true. cool. Very good. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Good job. Yeah. Great question, Kelly. Thank you so much. And if you like that, you should really check out that podcast where it's pretty much the same thing as this one. It's the same and we're, thing. And we're talking about a lot of Mignola stuff over there as well. Last week, we did Our Encounters with Evil by Mignola and Warwick Johnson Cadwell. And next week, we're going to do another Mignola type of thing. So mm -hmm. hop over there and check us out. I keep saying that. <laughs>
Yes, hop over there and check us out. <laughs> are you are you looking for a replacement phrase for that? Because no, it's, because it's, it's too funny. Phrase. It's too funny that Aubrey just said it. So now I have to keep that in. <laughs> we can change it. Zip now. over there and 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 have a peek. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you zap over there and <laughs> mosey on over? Oh my and God. Give it a listen. Mosey on over and have a have a lemonade with us. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Regarding our discussion from last month, you know, we read that short story, Lobster Johnson, The Empty Chair. Mm. Uh, remember that one? So Aubrey noticed something about this story that I was blown away by. I certainly didn't remember it, and nobody else commented on it. So Aubrey, oh, really? I, yes, I got to give Aubrey it to wins you. the no prize. I got to give it up to you. Uh, tell us what you discovered. First off, I'm surprised nobody said anything. Anyway, I told you, like, I started reading all of the Mignola stuff again. I started reading Conqueror Worm because I really like that story and I've never read it in the line. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's the first <laughs> story with Lobster Johnson. And Hellboy says something like, what do you mean they were all fiction? And he goes, he took out a bunch of mobsters. Benny the Strings, Skinny Joe Lincoln, Zuko Banana. Yeah. And those oh, are the three fucking those people are from the, the fucking lo- guys. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Good catch, Aubrey. Yeah. It's referenced back in Conquer Worms. And I love that too because that was the first one that was written by Tanchi Zanyich. So he was yeah. like, ah, oh, I'm going to go and I'm include gonna, this yeah. whole thing. You know what I mean? And nobody but, remembered it. Wow. <laughs> Nobody's. I mean, I, wow. Good I'm, job, I'm Bri. actually. Wow. Jobbery. I love it. Great job, both of you. Why don't you flip on over there and. <laughs> And have a gander. <laughs> That's enough of that. Thank you, guys. Right in with your but, own. Uh, yeah, no. Send us a hate of guys with your own phrase. <laughs> Bother John about it. Honestly, though, when I was reading when I was reading Conqueror Worm and I saw that, I was just yeah. like, "Wait, I can't, I can't believe this." No, and good then job. I took, Very good. I took a picture and I sent it to John, and John's like, "Oh," and it, and I was honestly thinking like everybody was probably listening to that, going, "You guys, they were in Conqueror Worms." You're the no prize winner. I went on and on about those names too. You did. Like I did all this you research. You did a whole segment about like it as well. I didn't even remember it. Anyway, good stuff. <sighs> and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week we're reading The House of Lost Horizons, a Sarah Jewell mystery. This is a five part miniseries that was published from May to September 2021, written by Mignola and Chris Robertson. Illustrated by Layla Del Ducca. So we discussed uh, Del Ducca for the first time last month in is our winter. Sp- is it Duca or Ducca? I don't know exactly the, announce- the correct pronunciation. I don't know. But we did discuss her uh, last month on the winter special stories. Colors by Michelle Madsen and letters by Clem Robbins. And the covers are by Christopher Mitten. They talk about this a little bit in the sketchbook. Christopher Mitten was the first one to draw Sarah Jewell and Mary Therese. Very cool. So he does okay. all the covers I do for like the covers quite these a series. Bit. So yeah, I really like that. Oh yeah, the, the cover of the, um, the trade, is, or is it the trade? It's really cool. I'm sitting here just staring at it right now, you know? I love all the hands, like, coming out and getting them and stuff. I love how they look like normal human women with clothing on. Yeah. Also, I like how they don't look bothered by all these hands about the ground. No, they're fine. (laughs) They're like, I'll get out of this. This is Whatever. And then the the house, the mansion in the background, and the flowers. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I like it. Good composition. We also have the single-issue cover... And the flowers on this. I love this. It's just really nice. Yeah, it's a really good cover. So uh, the Sarah Jewell character first appeared in Rise of the Black Flame, and then again in Witchfinder, The Reign of Darkness. Witchfinder. 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 Recently, she had her own story in the Hellboy Winter Special, and now we get her own miniseries. So uh, that's pretty cool. And she's got her sidekick or her associate, Marie Therese Lafleur. 
who's been with her through all the adventures. Very so nice. yeah, let's get into it. Man, I love this story. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, I really like this. In the Hellboy wiki, Mark, or I don't know if it's Mark that writes that or writes everything for that, but he described it as a locked door mystery. That's like a certain type of mystery where it all takes place in like one setting. Yeah, that's where Just you. Like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't realize that until afterwards. I was like, oh yeah, it's all in, just takes place in the house. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh yeah, no. Well, I I was figuring it was like some sort of like Agatha Christie kind of clue kind of sort yeah. of mystery thing, mixed in with some horror elements. You know, and I really enjoyed the hell out of this. <laughs> We open up off the San Juan Islands, off the coast of Washington in 1926. So this is all real place. What's probably made up is the Golden Terminus. That's this estate on the island. I did find on the San Juan Island tourist webpage, there are supposed to be a lot of haunted estates and houses there. Oh, right on. Um, they're well known for the Moran Mansion, Hotel De Haro, the Orcas Hotel, and Outlook Inn are just a few of the residences that have island spirits on them. So I thought that was pretty cool that they based the story here. I wonder if they knew, like, oh, there's a lot of haunted places on this one little island. Anyway, Sarah Jewell and her associate, Marie Therese. I wonder if they Googled most haunted island. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google. I need to Google that and see if it comes up. Sarah Jewell and her associate, Marie Therese, are getting dropped off at the port. The captain has to get back to shore. There's a big storm coming. So he just leaves them there. But Sarah Joel isn't worried because she sees her friend coming out, running, waving at her to greet her. All three uh, of these women are wearing heeled shoes on this wet, slippery dock. And I don't know. I feel like if you're getting on a boat and you're going to have an adventure, maybe wear a boot without a heel. Just is, a thought. Is this the? Is this like a sign of the times, though? Is this like 1920s wear that all they, they could have gotten? But they could have gotten an outdoor. I see. Boot yeah. Without a heel yeah. if they're going hiking or, or some such. Okay. But I like this. She sees her friend coming excitedly, waving right. at her. She's like, oh, look how excited she's greeting us. But her friend Lillian is actually trying to flag down the boat captain before he can leave. She's like, no, don't go. The storm has taken out their phone line and radio transmitter. There's been a murder. Mm, there's been a murder. <laughs> there has been a murder. This is not a good way to arrive at no, an island, right? It's not what you want to hear. The, the guy just took off and you're like, oh okay, shit, now right. I'm stuck here. Joel is like, when I talked to your lawyer, he didn't say anything about a murder. Well, he's the one that got himself killed. Jeez. Oh, I like that phrasing, got himself killed. Like that's like a old timey phrase, yeah. right? As they make their way back to the house, we learn that Sarah and Lillian Makepeace, that was her name, were childhood friends who stayed close up until adulthood. Sarah mentioned she was maid of honor at Lillian's wedding where she married Arlen Q. Wellstone. And we're kind of like reading her thought boxes. So when I got the call that she needed my help, Mary Therese and I came running, but it looked like she needed more help than I'd bargained for. I think it's Therese. Is it Therese or yeah. Therese? Yeah, okay. Pronunciation Corner continues. Thank you for that. As we go inside the mansion or the estate, I love this one page, this giant oh, I cutaway love it too. of the mansion. So I think... um. Del Duca said that this was Chris Robertson's idea. He was like, I want a big cutaway of the mansion and you get, like, get to see it all. Yeah, so fun. I thought that was really cool. And they do that in the um, Life Aquatic. Yeah, yeah. Like As the three talk, we learn that Lillian's husband, Arlen, died in a boat accident with two other household staff, leaving only Lillian and Miss Lee, the other house staff, left in the house. Arlen made his fortune in the gold rush. 
when he drove the golden spike joining the railroads. Oh, they mentioned that. So this is actually a real thing. The golden spike ceremony took place in Utah in 1896. It celebrated the last spike at the joining point of the tracks of the Central Pacific Railroad of California and the Union Pacific making the first transcontinental railroad. And there's this really famous photo by Andrew J. Russell called Champagne that captures this moment. It's really cool. I actually looked up this photo. This place has also been made into a historical site. So Arlen had this fortune, but he squandered most of it buying his collection of occult and arcane things. Lillian has put the stuff in a vault for safekeeping, and she's planning on auctioning all of it off to pay off Arlen's debts. The lawyer Severin was making arrangements to sell all this stuff when he ended up dead. She hasn't moved the body, so Sarah Jewell says she and Marie Therese will take care of it. She's like, oh, dead body, I got that. Lillian leads them to a room to meet everyone, and then so we get all the murder suspects. I really like yeah, this. Yeah, good stuff. We get Madame Sato from Japan, Conrad Eckhart from Germany. We get Reginald Mackerel, who's there on behalf of Rupert Zinko. Zinko. Uh, yeah. I assume he'll go on to create Zinko, or I don't know if Zinko is a thing by now, but that's definitely a reference to some of the other Hellboy titles. We have Marion Loveland, who's there on behalf of Kern, who I guess is a rival of Zinko. We have Mr. Huang from San Francisco and Dr. Caliban from New York. Sarah and LaFleur ask the guests if they can report anything on the previous night's events, but no one really has anything to say of value. And Macro just wants to know when the auction is going to go on. So Sarah asks to see the body of the lawyer Severin. I like um, when she lifts the sheet up, she goes, he's dead, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I really like uh, the character of Sarah Jewell. Like when she, like, when she first meets him off, she's like, howdy. And for some reason, I was hearing 90s Kathy's bait in my head whenever she was reading whenever oh, i was reading okay. very nice yeah in a previous episode you cast her as joan cusack did was i mean oh, Jewel. yeah yeah i think in rise of the black flame when we first did i her. Yeah. okay yeah i like that that's what i was thinking of while i was reading this sure <laughs> severin had been staying at the house getting ready for the auction only he and lillian had keys to the study where they were working yet he was found dead in the locked room from the inside sarah and marie therese take the body down to the larder I never heard that term before. Really? That's that really? surprises me. Yeah, so it derives from the fact that they were originally used to to store raw meat that had been covered in lard to preserve it. It's often constructed into the external walls which makes the temperature cooler in there. Sarah goes to talk to Miss Lee, but something suspicious is going on, right? She's speaking in low tones to Mr. Huang. And when Sarah Jewel calls her out, she's like, "Nothing." <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do when you like yeah when you, that's my favorite way to not be suspicious right yeah like you'll ask me like what are you doing or hey what's going on I'll just be like nothing well, <laughs> i'm i was just wondering if you could answer a few questions i'm not doing anything yeah so, okay all right uh, okay well now my first question is what are you doing i'm definitely not doing anything suspicious yeah all right we're not doing we're not plotting around here no <laughs> Speaking with Mrs. Lee, Sarah learns that Mrs. Lee has been working for Lillian for 40 years, and her brother worked for Mr. Wellstone on the railroad. Meanwhile, Marie Therese is doing her own adventuring, and she finds Dr. Caliban. This guy's all snooping around. Yeah, he's when, a snooping snoopster. Yes, when Marie Therese asks him what he's doing, he says to mind her own business. Ooh, he's being unpleasant and sneaky. Yeah. Mm, and don't she, like that. She's like, why don't I just? Jeez. Which is kind of like... 
I'm gonna look yeah, at I'm you extra hard to, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like her character. Like Sarah Jewell yeah. has like the brains, but like this chick is not afraid to. No, like, she will get absolutely get mixed up in some shit. She's really gonna good. throw down for sure. Sarah Jewell meets up with Marie Therese and they head down to the salon where they find Macro and Loveland are having this argument about a bidding war they had in Baltimore. Baltimore obviously makes me think of Baltimore, the story that we're also reading on Book Club Members Comics by um, Mignola and, and uh, Christopher Golden. So anyway. He's being very rude. Oh. He's being very mm. rude. Oh, yeah. Calls her a backstabbing cow. <laughs> oh, my God. Ouch. <laughs> um, and she's just telling him that to stop whining about how she got the better of him at some sort right, of auction, auction or whatever. Yeah. Madam Sato predicts that one of them will end up dead. And Sarah thinks it's odd that she says there will be another murder. She's like, why do you say that? I wonder if it's Saito. Okay. I might be getting all these names wrong. Let me know. Marie Therese notices that Mr. Eckhart is missing, so they go and look for him, and they find him trying to break into the safe. Jeez. Everyone's everyone's being a... A real suspect a, here. <laughs> yes. Everyone's definitely being a suspect. He tries to rush past Marie Therese, pushing his hand out, out of my way, woman, or I will. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, jeez. And she, oh, I love that. She gets she, him in a... Yeah, she does some fancy work, and she gets him in a hammer lock. Yeah. Um, Sarah interrogates him while she's got him pinned. I love this. Good it's like, stuff. now you're going to give us some answers. John, this is far too woke. <laughs> this is, uh, ladies are doing all kinds of things here. They're being aggressive. Jeez. He says he just wanted to confirm that the items are worth his trouble being stuck there. And he's like, I don't deserve to be treated this way. <laughs> so she lets him go. I love this panel where he's walking off. Like, just, I don't know. You can tell he's that so he's mad. all hurt. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just the 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 posture that yeah. Del Duca gave him, or I don't know. I just thought it was really funny that panel. It's like he's been so humiliated. Well, I like how he's like, you know, uh, this doesn't justify me being manhandled so brisk in a manner or whatever. And she's like, maybe next time you will find your manners and you'll get better treatment. Yes. So I love that comeback. <laughs> Later, Sarah, Marie, Lillian, and Miss Lee are all in the kitchen talking. Well, Miss Lee is working while they're talking. They discuss if Eckhart could be behind the murder, but there's still the problem of the door being locked from the inside. Sarah assures Lillian that they'll figure it out for now, but they should all sleep. And then they have these creepy dreams. Mm. What are some of y'all's favorite like murder mystery movies or shows or books or whatever? Are there like episodes of a shows or a movie that you watch or like a, a book or another thing that reminds you of kind of this sort of environment? Like you have a, you have a, a house full of people who may or right. may not have committed a murder. There's a murder happening. Yeah, like what's yeah. what are some other examples off off the top of your head? Well, I while I was reading this, I kept thinking of Knives, Knives Out. Knives Out. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, this Such is so a great movie. it's really good. I love to put that on just whenever. Yeah. I love that movie. Have you seen yeah. that, Aubrey? Yes. I love it. It's great. Yeah, and yeah. the sequel's coming out this uh this Christmas. I'm yeah. excited for that. Yeah. Um, Knives Out is so I, good. I kept thinking of Clue in Murder by Death. Okay. Oh Clue, yeah. There nice. you go. Yeah. Well, that's a, and that's a, originally a board game. It was a murder mystery yes. board game. So the that had to have been a stereotype before the board game, or did they make oh, that yeah. into I mean, a popular you know, stereotype? Like, I mean, it's definitely like very Agatha Christie or Murder She Wrote kind sure, of stuff. Okay. You know. You know. Um, or like a train murder mystery. Like you get on a train. There's like a a murder mystery on a train. Who who did that? Well, 
That was Agatha Christie. That was Agatha. Okay. Um, Very cool. There's one that I'm that I'm not thinking of. Like, I mean, there's one that I I know that there's one, a good another one where there's a bunch of suspects and you, it's a whodunit, but I can't remember it right now. Mm. Maybe um, it'll come to you later on in the episode. Yeah. Um, give uh, us I, your hey damn guys. Write us in. Give us a a comment on social media or an email and tell us your favorite example of this trope that we're talking about here. Um, I also kept thinking of the episode of The Office where, oh, the- <laughs> where they think they're going Where they're playing the game. And so they're playing this, there's been a murder mystery type of game. Or whatever. Oh, that was a good one. Now, shall we get to the mystery? Oh, okay. Um, nice Guys, I really like that one. Mm, uh, I don't know if you've mm. seen that movie. That movie is hilarious. I love that movie. That was fun. Um, uh, Memento. I guess oh, is a murder well, mystery, but it's not really the same as yeah. what we're doing. As what we're it's like a different here. trope. It gives you a lot of different suspects no, of cool. who you think. It's it definitely is. cool, but it's not like yeah. this is like a classic trope. Whereas that's like a different thing altogether. I feel. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen a lot. Um, Mystic River Scream. Is Scream? It's a murder mystery, but it's not like it doesn't all take place in like a. Oh yeah, but it's a, a bunch of mansion. but it's like which teen is it? You sure. know what I mean? Like that's kind of a that's kind of a thing, I guess. Mm. I just googled this to see. Okay, I don't know if I would categorize <laughs> that as being in this specific category. Yeah, we need some yeah. we need some listener feedback with some good examples of this. I do like this scary dream that they have. Have you ever had like a nightmare like this? What are some of your common like nightmares? Oh, that's probably not. A discussion. Oh, okay. Like I would like want to like that your teeth are falling out, or you don't have. That's a common one. Or right. like that you're falling. That's a common one too. Um, I feel like this hands grabbing you. Like it seems familiar, but uh, I don't know that I've ever had like a dream like that. I just meant like trope nightmares. Oh, sure. I didn't trope mean nightmares. Like... Trope nightmares. Yeah, the teeth falling out, etc. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. Which I also didn't know was a trope oh, until okay. very recently. I was, I was, you know, I was like, oh, other people dream about this. Yeah. It was oddly comforting, <laughs> like, but then it was me like, why? Why? Wait, why what is though? this thing? Yeah, I don't know. I I was totally anyway. I thought I was I'm a fucking about, weirdo. That I'm, had, I'm avoiding going yeah. on a tangent about mm, let's not. spinal fluid <laughs> washing over the brain while you're asleep. Yeah. Anyway, dreams are messages from the deep, John. <laughs> Sarah wakes from her nightmare startled. And then she hears a scream. So she wakes up all scared, and then she hears another scream. She yes. runs out, and others have also come out of their rooms. Lillian has found another dead body, mm. Mr. Eckhart. And they find him in a little bit of a weird state, right? Well, he's all he's all curled up. He's like all leathery, and his you know hands are in a claw right. form. And there's a big circle of candles around him. Yeah. And so a there's... mysterious absence of fluids on the floor. <laughs> exactly. What was the damn fool trying to do in here, Joel asks? Or did someone else do it to him? Ah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> to be continued. Um... And here's the continuation. Chapter two. Everyone's in their pajamas here. No, well, I want to talk about this cover. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, I just love the flower motif. It's lovely, right? yeah. On the first one, we had yes. all those pink flowers coming out of the bottom. And then on this one, we have like this. It's almost like it's going over them. Yeah, and you got some voodoo down there as well. Oh, yeah. I am going to talk about that as well. Right on. We pick up right after the discovery of Eckhart's desiccated body. Mary Therese says it reminds her of that time back in episode 78 when we discussed Rise of the Black Flame. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I'll link it in the show I notes. do. <laughs> 
Back then, they found bodies that were drained of life as well. The others start to suspect Marie Therese, since she's the one that got into him earlier. Remember, she put him in that sweet hammerlock? Yeah, that's true. And Sarah says, I can assure you she didn't kill anyone. Not recently, anyway, and none who didn't deserve it. Because she has probably killed people on their adventures, right. but just bad people. Or but they I were love trying that... to kill her first or something. <laughs> something like that. But I love that she has to like throw that in. Yeah. Um, Everyone's but... got their nightcaps on. Everyone's got their pajamas oh, yeah. on. We've got our like um, their PJs here. I like this because Dr. Caliban earlier, he was like in a very slick white suit. <laughs> and now he's like in a very dapper, like <laughs> pajama outfit. It's like a teal. That's yeah. very nice. This yeah. one guy's got a big robe on. He's just got a big sleeping gown and <laughs> yeah. a robe. Oh, I was going to ask about this. Um, why did they wrap up their hair like that? Oh, it's a protective thing so that it protects their hairstyle Oh, in the okay. night from getting all mussed up. Oh, okay. So it would just stay like that. Yeah. I guess whatever oh, yeah. they did to uh, it. Yeah. I mean, it's it. That takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. To have to, you know, you can't be doing your hair every single day. So okay. you got to keep that nice and protected. There. Oh, okay. And it keeps it from, uh, you know, getting all messed up and tangled and and uh, keeps it from breakage. Do people still do that? Or? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That is a very normal thing okay. that most people do. That I don't do because i don't care okay <laughs> and also my you know uh certain hair textures are uh you want to protect that a little bit more especially oh, okay. if you're trying to make that hairstyle last a little longer yeah that kind of a thing so that's uh yeah i was wondering about that while i was i have i've actually tried several times to do that and i wake up and it's just on my face and like, i don't know <laughs> you can do <laughs> it right not, yeah but marie therese is actually kind of embarrassed she says she doesn't actually have an alibi she was in bed all night having horrible nightmares <laughs> They sound like the same one Sarah Jewell had, and then all the other patrons start chiming in that they were having the same nightmare. So I like, like, she says, I don't have an alibi, but what she says provides the alibi, because they're all like, how would she know that if she wasn't asleep? Right. Yeah. How would she know about the nightmares? Like, they all know about it, so that kind of provides a yeah. weird alibi in a way. Lillian and Miss Lee also say that they've been having the same nightmare for days. They've been living there. It looks like Eckhart was trying to perform some ritual when he died. There's also a book open of Rip Van Winkle by Washington Irving. Eckhart was making notes in the book. Rip Van Winkle is a short story published in 1819. It follows a Dutch-American villager in colonial America named Rip Van Winkle who meets mysterious Dutchman. He imbibes in liquor and falls asleep in the Catskill Mountains and wakes up 20 years later to a very changed world, having missed the American Revolution. We'll come back to Rip Van Winkle again later. Anyway, for now, outside the storm is still passing, so it's dark even though it's daytime. Lovely shot of the house here. Really good, yeah. And I like how they mention that because, you know, like when we've had really bad storms here, you know, and like mm -hmm. it's the morning, but yeah, it's still like it's super still dark and raining like really night. hard. Oh, yeah. and it's just like, that's really terrifying it and unsettling because you're like... Okay, it's 9 a.m. Like yeah. the sun should be out right now, and it's, it's and it's just still horrible weather. Like, so dark and just yeah. yeah. And you got to drive in it to go to work. Oh, it's terrible. Well, and if you have a nice boss, they'll be like, "Hey, it's flooding. Please don't try and come." Yeah, here to I work. know. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah. here in Houston, we still get dragged to work, even though there's hurricanes coming <laughs> and flooding sometimes. Anyway, anyway, they're uh, sitting down to a lovely breakfast. Look at this breakfast. There's a skillet with some. Got some eggs and some sausages in there. They got muffins, fresh Ooh. muffins. What's your favorite kind of muffin? Mm, oh, I like an like an orange muffin. Oh Blue, man, I like a classic blueberry muffin. 
Yes, I like a blueberry muffin also. What about you, Aubrey? When I was younger, I used to like a blueberry, but I don't really prefer muffins these days. I'll do an apple muffin. Okay. Basically, any type of pie or cobbler, I think you can make that into a pretty good muffin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. They sit around eating their awesome breakfast, and they try to figure out the murder. Mary wonders if an artifact in the house could have taken Eckhart's life force. I like this idea, too. Maybe it was one of these arcane things that's doing all this stuff. Well, there's, there's so many. Right? Them, yeah. So... This leads Jewel to ask why Mr. Wellstone was so interested in arcane artifacts. Lillian says that it was a recent obsession that only started a few years ago. Suddenly, nothing mattered to him more. Nothing. We get a flashback of Arlen Q. Wellstone. He made his fortune in the Black Hills Gold Rush. This actually occurred from 1874 to 1877 in the Dakota Territory. And so he used all that fortune to build a railroad. He basically just finds gold on the ground. Which I think is like nuts. Like that, there was a time where you could just walk around and go, "Oh, right. here's a gold rock." Also, <laughs> right? Very fucked up that this entire railroad was built with horrible slave labor. Well, see, and uh, so earlier I was talking about that photo champagne that I referenced earlier. Yeah. One of the notable things about it is it does celebrate the immigrants because they're in the picture. Oh wow! It became such a famous picture that that could not help but be reflected. Right. You know what I mean? So that's one of the reasons why it's so famous too is because it depicts the immigrants that actually built the thing because they're all there. It's like a big group shot of everybody. And then they have the two trains that are joining the two railroads or whatever. So it's pretty cool. Interesting. Or I'll post it this week in the stories or something Mm. like that. It's just, it's worth noting that these people were treated so horribly. Yeah. Yeah. Arlen, he used that fortune to build the railroad He used to joke that the secret to his success was the luck of the little folk, and he was real secretive about his past. A few years ago, Wellstone started spending his fortune amassing his collection and building the Golden Terminus, this giant estate on the island. Mm -hmm. Wellstone placed every arcane artifact in specific parts of the house and built the house to specific specifications. And we see him like ordering people around and all that stuff. When they're talking about like him building his house with the arcane and all that, I, I just kept thinking about uh, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, where Dana Barrett lived in that uh, that house that was built to summon Zool. Oh, right. That's a great reference. I love that. Lillian says that she spent more time with Miss Lee than her husband once they moved into the house. Sarah asks about the connection with Mrs. Lee and Mr. Huang. She saw them whispering earlier, but Lillian is also puzzled as to why they would be talking. She says there's no connection between them. Sarah Jewel reconvenes with Marie Therese. They talk about the supernatural element to the mystery and wonder if the artifacts could have something to do with the killings. Marie Therese mentions those cursed canopic jars they encountered last summer in Cairo. Do you know what canopic jars are? Aren't those the jars that when they take the mummies' intestines and brains out, yeah, put them yeah. in the jars? Yeah. Exactly, right? They use them in the mummification process to preserve all that stuff in the afterlife. So they decide to split up to look for motives. Sarah Jewel walks around the house, and she hears people arguing. She goes to check it out, and it's Macro and Loveland. I love the way that the argument is shown in that speech bubble. It's like... You can't really read it. I mean, you kind of sort of, there's some words in there, but it's like two different things. They're, they're talking over each other throughout yeah. the whole thing. And I, I like how they depicted that in a text-like form. Yeah. On that very top panel, if, you, yeah. if you're able to zoom in, like on the comicsology, you can see like they've actually printed two different forms of text, one over the other. I was wondering if you could figure out like what any of those words are, but... 
I took a screenshot of it. I, there's ain't in there, but the last thing is damn thing. The damn thing. They kind of they kind of almost yeah. um, highlighted that so you could see that part. Um, yeah, that's really good. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out, Aubrey. I thought that was pretty cool by Clem Robbins um, to put oh, that little detail in there. I stared at that for a while. Last I know. Night. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I was going to go right over it. But then in the next panel, it's it's like you the thought bubbles are split. They're not thought bubbles, word bubbles. Right. And you know, but they're also really you know, it's like they're having a hushed, whispered argument. Well, and it's like as Sarah gets closer, it becomes more distinguishable. I yeah. Guess. So when she goes in there, she catches them arguing, and Sarah Jules like, "I hope I'm not interrupting anything." Macro says, "Nothing much, just more of Marion's mumbo jumbo." <laughs> so we already know Macro works for Zinko, and Loveland works for Kern. These two are rivals. Macro is an art historian, and Loveland is a sensitive, and she can read the artifacts. They actually used to be married, but now they just fight each other at auctions. And I love this panel where they're both like at the auction, both yelling at each other. And uh, Oh, I love it. It's so funny. And um, if you're looking at the trade version, they actually use that panel as the chapter separator yeah. art for this one. I thought it was so funny when I saw That's that. Cute. I like how like the, the woman sitting next to them is just like looking at them like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, the, and then the auctioneer's like, Ugh, these guys again. <laughs> And you see what they're bidding on, too. Did you check that out? Yeah, it's like a bird snake thing. Oh, is it Quetzalcoatl? Oh, I don't know. That's That was just my... I was like wondering a, what it was. That was just a little like a association thing my brain did just sure, then. Yeah. I have no idea if that's okay. actually what that is. I thought it was pretty cool, though. Yeah, no, it's a super dope statue. So when Loveland says that she's a sensitive, Macro thinks that whole thing is a scam. But Loveland says that she can sense a presence in the house. She says, ever since we came to this island, I've been feeling, well, a presence of some kind, a feeling of menace, hunger. I wanted to stay on the boat and go right back to land, but Mac thought I was trying to scare him away from the auction, so I stuck around, and now we're really stuck. While Sarah Jewell is talking with them, Marie Therese is over looking for Dr. Caliban. He's sneaking around again, looking through books. She overhears him asking Lillian if her husband ever mentioned a Chauncey. There's a nice damask wallpaper in here. Oh, okay. That's that design? Yeah. Very good. Yeah, so many little details in there. As she follows Dr. Caliban, we see that he has a bottle of rum. That bottle of rum looks like the one that Hellboy grabbed when he was drinking with skeletons. <laughs> oh, shit. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Good stuff. I have to put those side by side. So Mary Therese bursts in the room. Hold it right there. He's doing some voodoo. Yeah, he sure is. So we see kind of a symbol on the ground, and he's spitting the rum. Rum is considered a sacrament and sacred offering in Haitian voodoo, New Orleans voodoo, and other African traditional religions. Rum is also the beverage of the Liwa, or deities in Haiti. There's a specific Liwa, I don't know if I'm saying that right, called Papa Legba in Haitian voodoo, who serves as an intermediary between the Iwa and humanity. He stands at the spiritual crossroads and gives or denies permission to speak with the spirits and is believed to speak all human languages. He facilitates communication, speech, and understanding. And that's his symbol on the ground. Yes, that's the same symbol in uh, Creole voodoo as well. Okay, awesome. So this symbol was also on the cover. And then it'll pop up again later. So I thought that was pretty cool. She refers to it as hoodoo, which is inaccurate. Ah, it's okay. But I think a lot of times, especially in the 20s, like people use those terms interchangeably. Yes, yeah. Probably. What kind of bullshit are you perpetrating here? Yeah, is exactly. Is basically yeah. her, her meaning. 
Marie Therese suspects Dr. Caliban and asks him if this is the same hoodoo that killed Dr. Eckhart. Dr. Caliban says, I didn't have anything to do with that German fool getting himself killed. And I think you should be a little bit more careful when you start throwing around accusations like that because you do not know who you're dealing with. Over with Sarah Jewell, she's heading to bed. I love all the the molding in this house. <laughs> it, the, the house oh, is yeah. amazing. <laughs> so lovingly um, drawn. Yeah. There are some great moldings. We didn't talk about yeah. them, but uh, when we showed the cutaway, too, there were some great details there. Sarah's heading to bed, and she hears a creak. She goes to check on it, and she finds Madame Saito is sneaking down for a night hat. That's what she calls it. They're like, don't you mean a oh. nightcap? I like <laughs> nice. that, that there's yeah. a little bit of mistranslation but she's like she needs that to keep the dreams at bay she's like i need a little before we have these horrible dreams again tonight (laughs) but sarah jewel thinks it's weird that she's sneaking around so she starts confronting her meanwhile marie Therese is still arguing with dr caliban and so i'm smart and it's none of your business exactly right yeah she mentions a gree gree bag is that how you say that yeah this consists of a small cloth bag usually inscribed with verses from an african ancestor contain a ritual number of small objects worn on the person. So she's like, I know what this thing is. Yeah. So I feel like he comes across as being very arrogant. Like, yeah. you're just a dumb. You don't know what's going on. Shut up. I'm smarter than you. The specific way he puts it is, she's like, what kind of doctor are you anyway? He goes, medicine for one, philosophy for another, and others <laughs> besides two. I've studied a lot. You don't even know how right, much I've studied. Right, it yeah. just comes across as being very... All right, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Pretentious. And she's like, you think I don't know what this is? Like, yeah. my grandma did this, so yeah. I know what this is. Like, she, I know what all that shit is. Yeah. And so I just kind of, I feel like I've been there. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I like this because they both think that they have the murderer. They both have their suspects cornered. And then they hear, no, there's been another murder. Oh, shit. There has been another murder. A murder, you say? I do declare. We find Miss Loveland is crying over the body of Mackerel, that guy. Jeez. Good Lord, Sarah exclaims. Mon Dieu. <laughs> Marie Therese follows. Mackerel's been beaten to death. It's pretty gruesome on this panel down here at the bottom. There's all that blood splatter and everything. Yeah. But I, I love how they're narrowing down the suspects a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because after this, I was like, well, now it couldn't be those two. Yeah. You know, because the whole time, like... I guess now we've read it, so we know how it ends. But like while I was reading this, like I was genuinely like <laughs> I, trying I, to figure out the mystery. I, I had my theories. Did you have any theories while you were reading this? Hmm. I don't know if I'd come to like a conclusion at this point, but I had some like I was like, okay, this guy's clearly shady, and what's going on with this? But I was like, okay, wait, no, this is a red herring. But no, you know, I thought it was going to be end up being Lillian because she was the only one that had a key. Or something like that. Or, like, I thought it was going to end up being her. Or I thought it was going to end up being Mrs. Lee because she was the only other one that had the key. Or something like that. I thought it was going to end up being one of them, like, haha, I was evil all along. Or something. I thought it was going to be something like that. But it's not. Yeah. We got a chapter three cover. Love I love this the. Cover. Yeah, this is so cool. Just all the motion conveyed, yeah. too, with like the trails coming off the hands and everything. Oh, so good. So we pick up here on the death of Mr. Mackerel. Madame Saito thinks that Miss Loveland's despair over the body is an act, and she's trying to cover up that she killed him. But Sarah says that she would have blood on her in the way that he's been killed, so she's using her detective skills. Sarah asks Dr. Caliban and Dr. Quang to roll up the body on the carpet and take it down to the larder with the others. They're really amassing a, a stack of bodies down there, right? Like, I hate to have to go, like, get something out of there yeah. and be like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> So as they're rolling up the body, she goes, 
Come on, you think that you guys had never had to roll up a corpse in a rug before? Jeez. What if? What if oh, shit. <laughs> how many corpses has she had to roll up? Like, she's an expert at it or what? Good stuff. <laughs> Sarah and Mary Therese talk with Lillian. They try to figure out the killer, but they end up talking about their communal nightmares they're having. And they've gotten worse, Miss Lee says. Indistinct figures crowding around you, always keeping to the corner of your eye. You don't know what they are, but you can feel their hunger. They've come for you to devour you whole. And as they close in, surrounding you completely, you wake up, Sarah finishes. I haven't had such vivid dreams in a long, long time. So now the nightmare has evolved and we see like these little like imps or whatever, black figures that are coming out of the shadows yeah. to get them. Sarah Jewel and Marie Therese turn their attention towards the people they now suspect. Mr. Huang is the only one that hasn't, you know, he wasn't there. They don't know where he was while the other person was being killed, so he's suspected by Sarah Jewell. I went ahead and looked up the pronunciations also. It's uh, it's Wong. Wong. Okay, thank you. Mr. Wong is suspected by Sarah Jewell, who is still wondering why he was whispering with Miss Lee. Ah, suspicious. Yes. Marie Therese still suspects Dr. Caliban. She was like... He did magic or something. Even though he was there, I still suspect him. I think, like, at this point, Oh, what, so now everyone that's doing voodoo rituals is uh, the yeah, bad guy? You know, well, I think at this point, <laughs> I think he's so ugly to her. He's just so like, rude for no reason. Think, he really is. I think that now she just has it out for sure. him. Like, she can't help it. You know what I mean? Like, I think she's got it emotionally invested. Yeah. Like, you know when you, like, have you ever wanted it to be someone? Like, you're like, oh, I want it to be this person because I don't like them. Like, we'll be watching <laughs> right. we'll, we'll be watching a show, and you know someone's going to die, and I'm like, I hope it's this person because uh, I hate no. this character. And then it's never yes. that person. It's never that person. Anyway, oh, it's always geez. someone you like. Well, you get no emotional impact from killing the people you hate. <laughs> I know. She suggests they follow their hunches and see who gets to the answer quicker. So she's like, I'm still going to go after Dr. Caliban and figure out what he's up to. We learn from a scene with Lillian and Sarah that Mr. Wong sent a number of letters asking about the scroll that was supposed to be in the auction. It was reputed to have magical properties. I like some of these statues on the bookcase here. There's like a Bigfoot head or something, right? Is it a Bigfoot head? Or I don't know. It's some sort of ape head. Yeah. We see it I from thought a it was couple... just an ape. <laughs> yeah, it we looks see very it... much like Dr. Zayas. Wait, uh, maybe that's what it is. Uh, we see it from a couple different angles as we go along in the story. There's a big golden plate. Mm. This uh, skull with the wings or whatever. Right. I want to. I want to say we've seen something like that. Oh, okay. I don't know. Up Gosh. in the top right of the first um, panel at the top, there's like a big, uh, like a big octopus guy. Yeah, I see that one. Oh yeah. Um, I was trying to see if there were any artifacts that we might recognize from other stories. So if there's anything that uh, we missed, please let us know. It was like a bust of a woman with horns out of her oh, yeah i was looking at that one i was trying to figure out if that's anybody that we might know marie therese is investigating dr caliban who continues to snoop around the house Jeez. um he's still looking for something so she Get goes out to, of it as she questions him he says what he is in doing involves old debts being repaid and that it's a matter of life and death sarah goes to question miss lee as she cooks she asks about her and mr wong's whispering earlier and how Miss Lee seems unflustered by everything that's going on. People keep getting killed, and she just seems fine she's with it. She's so chill. Miss Lee says that she's just trying to keep things calm for Lillian. And as far as Mr. Huang and the scroll, Miss Lee says it's nothing. At dinner, everything seems tense. They all haven't slept due to the nightmares. 
Mr. Huang suggests that they all stay together this time because the killer might be one of them. I actually, I was like, this is the this first is good the, idea yeah. that someone's had. And they don't do it. But yes, they should all just stay in the yeah. same room together. And the that's killer the must be in this yeah, room. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, that's a good idea. Why don't they do that? Unless he's the killer, right? Mm. In my head, I was like, maybe it is him. <laughs> and then he also wants them to go ahead and have the auction. He's like, let's just have the auction now to pass the time. I'm like, so it, I don't know, it starts to reinforce that he's going to be a suspect. But Sarah whispers to Lillian that this could just be a plot for the killer to get the artifact, which could be dangerous for all of them. So the auction continues to be postponed. At night, Sarah Jewel is anticipating the nightmares, so she goes to have herself a little night hat. A <laughs> <laughs> night hat. <laughs> but she takes her gun with her this time, right? She's like, like uh, Sarah Jewel's packing heat. Exactly. As she walks down the hall, she sees Miss Loveland talking to someone that's not there. She's very drunk. Yes. Also. She's like, poor thing, she says to herself as she walks by. Then she sees Mr. Huang, and he's doing some Doctor Strange shit. He sure is. Look <laughs> he at really that. is. And he's saying something in Mandarin. So she's like, hold it right there. She points the gun at him. Hands where I can see them, and not another word of that spell, if you please. <laughs> and he's like, spell? I don't know what you're talking about, Miss Jewel. Why don't you? And she's like, that's close enough, because now he's like starting to approach her. What are you doing on this island, she asks. What's so important about that blasted scroll? And he's like, yeah. He, he chops, chop. and it knocks the gun out of her hand. And so she does a fighting stance. She's she ready to, sh- yeah, she <laughs> yeah, she's ready to, to throw it out. Yeah. I love this. Come on, then, if you think you're man enough, she oh, says. Really good. I was like, it is this guy. I knew it. What's going to happen now? But, but I love that made th- me think that it wasn't this guy. Oh, okay. That yeah, ending? I was just like, I was like another red herring. Oh, okay, yeah, because yeah. if he's so obviously, but doing I, but a I thing. was just like, I was like, okay, let's see what's going to happen next. Mm. When the guy is revealed, it's usually everyone's in a group together, and everyone's like, oh, oh we okay. fucking figured it out, and they all look at the guy, and he's like, all right, I fucking did it, but you know what? All you suck, yeah. and I'll kill <laughs> yeah. you right now. You know what I mean? It's usually not like, like two it's, people it's in a like, hallway at night I where there's it. no one to witness it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. So yeah, yeah. I think that that's uh, anyway. But then the cover made me think that it wasn't going to be him because on the cover of issue four, they're all hanging out together. They're all hanging out together, um, and we have this awesome golden crane symbol in the background i love this cover this is amazing it's such a good cover yeah i love the red on this and everything it looks really cool i love how they're all standing and ah good stuff it's a bit of a charlie's angels pose oh yeah there you go yeah it is cool we open on sarah jewel about to throw down but mr huang stands down and bows i disarmed you because i did not wish to be shot he says but i have no desire to fight you only to talk mr huang tells sarah that their interests are aligned she is in pursuit of a killer who might want artifacts. The organization that sent him is trying to keep an object from falling into the wrong hands. Mr. Wong reveals that he is a member of the Golden Crane Society, and he's got a killer tattoo. To yeah, I was it. about to say, is that, <laughs> he really do you, does. Do you have to get the tattoo on the chest when you join, or can you get it like on the arm? Good question, all right? So, well, I mean, if you're really going to go all in and join the society, might as well go all in. <laughs> yeah. Back in Hellboy and the BPRD Ghost Moon, I didn't look up that episode number. I should have, but I'll link it in the show notes. We were with Agent Susan Zhang, and she ran into a member of the Golden Crane Society named Bao Ji. He was an old man, but even he had that tattoo. On the chest. On the chest. Not on the back, not on the anywhere right. else. Wow. Big one right here, Interesting. Right? <clears throat> They had a flashback, and he told Susan Zhang that her family were members of the Golden Crane Society. But we don't know... What if you have, um, like, 
big old boobies, and then you can't. I guess oh. you have to get it further up, and it's like smaller. Maybe I don't know if you can get it right. That the because the maybe placement it, is a bit dubious. Maybe you get it on your back then. You get it on your back like probably, or yeah. on your face. And then because when you reveal <laughs> that you're a member of the order, you'd have to be like, hang on a second, wait, just let me. Oh yeah. Get the shirt up. <laughs> over my head aha and you turn around you've got your shirt kind of crinkled up and you're like can you see it you can't see the top of it but you get the point i'm part of the society yes something like that but that whole thing with susan jang and the golden crane society hasn't been paid off in that timeline yet so we don't know how these things connect but it was one of those things where i go aha i know something about this we've seen this before okay Aha! Mr. Huang says, For many centuries, the Golden Crane Society has protected the people of China from otherworldly threats. Dope. Those of us who serve the Golden Crane dedicate our lives in service of the defense of others. Many legendary weapons and powerful artifacts have been handed down from generation to generation to aid in that defense. One such artifact was in the safekeeping of a member of the Golden Crane Society until it was stolen from him by Mr. Wellstone, and he died shortly after. I've been charged with recovering the artifact after all these long years. And she's like, that's all you had to say. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's all you had to say. She goes, oh, I know members of the Golden Crane Society. My old pal, Lady Bai, Leon, used to tell stories at the Silver Lantern Club all the time. Mm. Yeah, so Sergio has hung out with some members of the Golden Crane Society. Well, apparently this one was a lady. So I wonder where her tattoo was. Yeah. Did she have one? Maybe it's like up on the t- like the upper chest yeah like, we'll have to find out I, yeah. I know that there's um the silver lantern club book has already come out right so we'll probably be reading that next maybe we'll find out more then i mean again if you Ooh, have you know i have that issue <laughs> yeah and this page is amazing where we get to see like the golden crane society doing like cool shit right we see oh, them yeah. fighting one of these uh lion dogs right those protect they're like uh oh, and those have a name damn yeah uh i'm gonna look it up while you continue okay this excellent because i know we referenced them Fuck, before i know and I, I actually really like these guys too yeah. so i can't believe i can't remember the name of this and then we also see um these golden crane society members in these awesome yellow outfits so we saw something like this too in the flashback with susan Zhang. they were wearing these yellow outfits also and they're fighting oh, yeah. like i was wondering what this symbol is of these the villains that they're fighting they're in like a blue and black which makes me think of the black flame or the shock tea right so maybe they have something to do with that or they're trying to harness that or they're from that ilk or whatever so the battle continues in all cultures and everything you know i googled the name of these uh lion dog guys it's komenu nice all yes. right thank and you they, for that uh, pretty cool i like these guys cool they have a lot of statues of those dudes they guard the entrances of places like shrines and such so that's fun very cool yeah weren't they in shang chi in the movie oh yeah there's some big ones right oh, running around so and doing stuff. super cool yeah mr huang says that mr wellstone sees the scroll from one of the laborers on the railroad and sarah puts it together that this was mrs lee's brother that's why they were talking and whispering Sarah says she'll talk to Lillian about getting the scroll back if he stops trying to break into the vault. He also tells her that he'll let her know if he finds out anything about the murders. Now, how about that nightcap, Sarah tells herself, and she sees Miss Loveland talking to herself again. On second thought, maybe not. Sarah finally sleeps, and we get another nightmare scene. I love the colors on this one. It's almost like... Oh, uh, yeah. It's like pencil charcoal. Or yeah, anything. there you go. In the morning... Sarah and Mary Therese talk about what they've learned, and Mary Therese still thinks it's Dr. Caliban, and it seems like she's really got it out for him. 
they decide to pay him a visit. I like how she brings her the tea. Yeah, that's sweet. In the morning. That's nice. Oh, yeah, there's a nice shot of her, like, fixing her hair and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? So that's what you would do, yeah. I guess it's, like, a specific, like, in that time, you had, like, a very stylized... Like, finger waves and such. Right, and it was all, like, held into place, probably. Like, yeah. if you touched it, it would probably be, like, hard, right? Mm, no? Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They go looking for him, and they find him in Wellstorn's library, snooping around again. And he's, like, all pissed off. <laughs> Marie Therese confronts him, asking if the ceremony the other night was an attempt to locate the artifact. Sarah Jewell asks if he's behind the nightmares, too. Maybe he's using the voodoo to cause all of that as well. Mm. But Dr. Caliban says he's not there for any damned artifact. He's there for answers. He explains a little of his backstory. Seems like he's a crime boss, or I like how he describes it, a community leader uh. from Harlem. And we get this interesting scene. I wanted to talk about this, right? So we see him being like a crime boss. He's got this guy next to him. But then that lady, is she in the mirror? I don't know. That's odd. I Is she standing oh, next to him or is she in? Because even if you zoom in to the bottom, like it doesn't look like. I can't like... zoom in. I have a book. A oh, okay. I have a physical book. You have the physical trade. But if you. We need zo- to get you that magnifying glass. I know. <laughs> if you zoom in on the bottom, it doesn't look like it continues past the glass. Because you can see them. I guess she is a reflection. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Like, it seems like, is she like a spirit in the glass? Or is is it just like a perspective thing and I'm looking at it wrong? I don't know. But why would that, why would they draw that? That's kind of a cool little detail there. It's definitely like, it looks like, because there's no like bottom. So it's definitely into the glass. And the color is also a little more muted like it's right. part of the glass yeah, so yeah it has to be like a ghost or something because there's nobody standing on the other side where the reflection would make sense right if exactly, was standing yeah. off panel they wouldn't be that big in the mat in the mirror exactly so anyway let us know what you think of that listeners dr caliban explains that his great uncle chauncey was employed by the family to watch young arlen wellstone chauncey talked about all their adventures But then one day, Arlen came home from the Hudson River Valley woods without Chauncey. And when they sent on a search party, they found an old corpse wearing his clothes. So the Hudson River Valley, this is a real place that's outside of New York City. I found this great article by Jim Ferry. I'll link in the show notes. The Hudson River is named for Henry Hudson. And Rip Van Winkle, the story that was referenced earlier, takes place in the Hudson River Valley, as well as The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was also written by Washington Irving. Cool. Yeah. Dr. Caliban has been trying to find answers ever since, and he thought some details might turn up about his great uncle at the house or auction, and he's been looking for an old diary or memoir or something that might have information, but so far nothing. So I love this. Uh, Suddenly, Miss Lovelord walks in, and she's drunk as all hell, right? She's super fucked up look at this bottom panel She's so fucked up the way that del Ducca draws her Golly, eyes look at her eyes geez. like oh <laughs> yeah they're they're red Fucking and puffy wasted, and bro she's like sweating she's in i like a bad the little way. like bubble effects around her where like it's, it's just like that she's, old school right, cartoon yeah. she's having a hard time and I love this, like, as she bursts in, she's, like, gesturing her arms so wildly that the drink is, like, spilling out of the glass and stuff like that. Most amongst us. Yeah, it's very good. She says she's been talking to the dead guy, Mr. Mackerel, that she was always fighting with, and he said something about how he died. There was a door that wasn't there before, and then somebody hit him. So they all look like at each how other. I talking about how... <laughs> 
She's like, he was pretty drunk at the time, so the details are a little fuzzy. Like, it's very... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was pretty yeah. drunk at the time when he got hit in the head, so, you know, he can't really tell me everything about it. I just think it's hilarious how the fact that he was drunk when he was killed yeah. means that he can't remember. Sure, yeah. It. Anyway, that's great. So they all have this moment. They look at each other, and then Sarah makes her way back to where they found Macro's body. I swear if it was a snake, it would have bit me, she says. Mm. There's a spot where there's no blood. So I even went back to the previous issue, and it's there, too. I didn't notice it. It the is first there, time. yeah. Yeah, did you notice it? Not until we went through it this time. <laughs> it's very obvious on the second on this second reading or whatever. You're like, how did I not notice that? But there's a spot, and so it's very satisfying how it reveals this door. I like how she, like, clicks it open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it has that kind of where you have to push it for it to open. That's a great effect. This, I um, like how this guy is like, oh, you do have the sight. Right. She's like, don't I know <laughs> it? Now maybe my dead husband will shut up. Right. She's yeah. just fucking. <laughs> but that's funny, too, because they. She's fucking blasted, he, man. That guy, Mackerel, he was telling everyone that it was a scam that she was doing. Right. But yeah. now by him being dead, we know that it's real. <laughs> She's fucking. I like how Sarah, Joe, and Mary Therese go in first. They're like, you guys stay out here. We're going to go check it out. Inside, they find voodoo, Celtic, and Chinese symbols of protection. I tried to look up a bunch of these. I couldn't really find them, but um, that voodoo symbol is up there again. The same one that was on the floor in Dr. Caliban's room. Suddenly, Marie Therese sees a person running, and so she goes for it. I love this. She, like, just uh, tackles the dude. She fights him, and then she punches him really good. I feel like she's just been itching to hit somebody. At this yeah. Point, yeah right she's yeah. like it's gonna be you now she's a fucking scrapper man so the knocked out guy is arlen wellstone the guy that was dead all along but he wasn't dead dun dun dun, dun. this is kind of that kind of reminded me a little bit of knives out i guess like if you haven't seen knives out i'm gonna spoil the ending so you can just skip ahead or you can check the show notes but like, or go watch that movie and come back. Right. <laughs> but but the guy that ended up killing the old guy was himself. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's kind of like it wasn't anyone that we suspected. In a way, I mean, there's still people that are guilty of it or who did wrong there's things. There's still, yeah, but villains. As far as, but as far as the specific the murder, yeah. you know, and so this, I, it reminded me of that because it's the guy. Yeah. It's the guy that everyone thinks is dead. He's really alive. It's kind of like another it's spin good. on that kind of thing. I don't know. So I did not see that coming, but like, you know, secret doors and murder mysteries like this are common. So I don't know why I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah, I totally didn't see that coming either. This is a great cover. I love this last cover for this issue fantastic five. fantastic cover, yeah. Yeah. It has a lot more relevance like when you finish the issue, but the mansion is all like it's in shards. It's all coming apart and they're kind of just hanging from it. Really dynamic image. I it's love It's a lovely that. visual, yeah. We open with lightning and a really pissed off wife. Lillian just found out that her husband faked his death, he's a murderer, and he's been creepily hiding in the walls of their house. Gross. <laughs> and so they have him in a chair with his hands bound. Sarah is still concerned, though, because Arlen... Can Wal I do a casting corner? I'm sorry. Yes, please. I would. I, I miss her so much, uh, Jessica Walter. R.I.P. Uh, yeah. I know that she's passed, but uh, gosh, she was incredible. I yeah. loved her so much. They'll do a deep fake of it or something. No, 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 <laughs> no. Don't. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying like fantasy casting if she were still with us. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a thing. Or, if, you know, we could go back in time and have done this right, yeah. before. No, no deep fakes. Please don't. Stop doing that. Horrible. Horrible. 
Sarah is still concerned, even though they have the killer, because Arlen Wellstone definitely killed Severin and Mackerel, but who killed Eckhart? That, that guy was all desiccated and had the life force taken out of him. So she's like, there's still some supernatural element that hasn't been satisfied with this reveal. Now we've got our lightning and thunder happening. Oh, yes, here definitely. At the, yeah. uh, at the crux of it. Sarah suggested it was some supernatural force, most likely the same thing that claimed Dr. Caliban's great uncle. So they start to put all this together. Before Eckhart died, he was looking up Rip Van Winkle and writing notes in it. That story is set in the Hudson River Valley. But before they could get more information out of Arland, Miss Lovelore starts freaking out. She starts talking to Mackerel, who no one else can see, right? She's talking to like something that's not there. What are they, Mac? You feel them too? Heck, I don't know. And they're like, what are you sensing? I don't know, she says, and neither does Mac. But that presence that I've been feeling since I came to this island, it's not just one, but a lot now. And they're almost here. Now uh, another guy's going to have a freak out. Exactly, it's right? It's time to freak out. When Sarah questions Arlen about it, he's like, I need to get out of here. And he takes off running. Jeez. And Wong stops him. <laughs> Very and th- easily. And throws him on the couch. I love that, too. I asked you a question, damn it, Sarah Jewell says. You've been hiding away in the walls of this place because something was coming for you, hoping all your wards and whatnot would protect you. But those charms aren't working anymore, are they? So what is it, Wellstone? What is coming for you? And he's like, please just let me go. Maybe if I can. You did a deal with something a long time ago, didn't you, Sarah asks. Something you met out in the woods. What was it you used to call them? The little folk? Only now they're coming back for their end of the deal. Did you trade them for Caliban's Uncle Chauncey for your fortune? Was his death the price you paid for your gold claim and your damned railroad? And maybe Eckhart too? Were you planning on offering up the rest of us to them as well? They're coming through from some other plane of existence, bleeding into our dreams. But they've been pushing at the walls this whole time, which is why Marion, Miss Loveland, has been sensing their presence since she got here. You built this place to be a fortress here on the edge of the world, filled to the rafters with supernatural protection of all kind, but it seems like something went wrong with your defenses. Looks like the bill has finally come due. The bill always comes due. The bill comes due. She's totally nailed it. Like, she's solved everything. Everything, Like, that's exactly it. They should just say, yes, you got it right, and just end the story here, because basically uh, Mr. Wellstone confirms it. And we have a flashback. That's some outfit he's wearing in that flashback. Oh, my God. <laughs> a fancy little lad. He was a fancy boy. Um, There's some knickerbockers on and everything. <laughs> so we see him meeting the little people with Chauncey. They said that they would lead him to riches, and they asked for his future in return, but he offered them Chauncey's future instead. That's rough. And then they led him to the Black Hills where he discovered all that gold. And they have to at this point they have to hold Dr. Caliban back from beating the shit out of yeah, this guy, that's, right? Because that's completely yeah. fucked. They should have just let him do it because he's such a jerk about it. He's like, Well, it was just one servant. Wow. And I didn't really want to wait for my fortune to come in. I just wanted to be rich right away. So that's why I did it. Because that's one of the things that Dr. Caliban calls him on. He was like, You were already rich. You didn't have to kill my great uncle. But Wellstone continues that the little people came back and they wanted another future. So he gave them one of his workers, but they kept coming back over and over, and he realized that he wouldn't be able to stop them. So he started building this house and getting all these items of protection, and he put them in specific places of the house that would stop the dreams from happening. Mm. You know, So he had them in certain spots and had the house built to these certain specifications that would stop the dreams, so that way like it would keep them at bay. But he says... 
But then the dream started again a short while ago, and I knew that they were drawing near. So he faked his death. It seemed like it was the only way, and he's like, it's a shame I had to take those two other housekeepers with it. And Lillian is totally shocked by this. She was like, we had those people employed with us uh, for years, and you just let them die? What about Severin too, the lawyer? Arlen says that he had it coming for him. They're the ones that started this whole thing, right? And so Sarah kind of jumps in. She talks about the artifacts, right? So here we get some Yeah, cool I was going to say, right? look at this guy. I didn't know what all these are. There looks like there's a coin with like some sort of golden bull or golden. Is that like a golden calf type of thing? Or it's like a big plate or something. Yeah, I don't there's know. something like that. There's this horned mask, but uh, we see, there's Durga. Yeah. Right. So Ashley Strode. That makes me think of Ashley Strode. And then there's Zarahem. Uh huh. How many times are we gonna yeah. see this thing? Oh man. We saw this thing in The Visitor. We saw this thing in Witchfinder: Beware of the Ape. Witchfinder. We saw this thing in BPRD 1952, and then we saw this thing again recently. I want to say it was like in Young Hellboy or something like that. We just saw it again, um, and so now here it is again. How many times are we going to see this thing, right? I love it. Right. <laughs> and then this green thing, I want to say I've seen this before. Oh, really? I want to say that this is an actual thing, and maybe it popped up in one of the 1940s books, but um. I couldn't put my finger on it. But I want to say that's an actual thing. Huh. I don't know. Somebody tell me. If uh, if you recognize that. So Arlen says that when they started hatching this auction and they started moving everything, that messed up this whole thing, right? By putting all the artifacts in the safe, he lost all his protection. So he popped out of the wall and confronted the lawyer to try to get Jeez. him to stop the auction. And that didn't end well. So that's how that dude got killed, right? He got choked. God. And then he says that he ran into mackerel. When he was all drunk, and so I had to deal with him, he says. And so at this point, Marion Loveland like pushes pissed. him. She's like, you killed him to keep a secret that he would have forgotten when he sobered up anyway. Yeah, yeah. He didn't, he didn't even notice now. what yeah. was going on. And he was like, I don't really know what happened to me. I was drunk, and then I died. Right, yeah. So that's, oh, that's, that's yeah. horrible, right? And Mary Therese asks about Mr. Eckhart. Well, what happened to him? I guess he had been researching and contacting Arlen about these little people. He had been looking for them himself. And that's why he was making notes in Rip Van Winkle, because he was researching everything about the Hudson River Valley or whatever. He, I guess he got in touch with the little people, right? It didn't end well. Because remember, like, when he tells the story, he says that they wanted his future. So I guess that's what they did, took from this guy, right? But, like... How is that a thing? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give you gold, but I'm going to take your future. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be dead. So how is that a deal? I don't know. It just seems weird. Anyway, so that's what well, happened maybe, to him. <laughs> well, so maybe his ritual screwed up and they were just like, oh, we're going to eat you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking your life force now. So I did have to look this up. I mean, little folk, little people. These are usually small, magical humanoid creatures like elves, leprechauns, or fairies. I actually found this great article um, I'll link in the show notes. It's writingmargins.weebly.com slash the little folk. Somebody put together a list of every little folk legend across different oh, cultures wow. and regions. And it's like hundreds of answers. Yeah, that's intense. So, I mean, it's hard to narrow down what little folk these are. There are black imps from Achumawi folklore. So I thought man, that sounds like something that these are. And then these they're also cannibal dwarves, also known as mm. enemy dwarves. 
And so I was wondering if maybe, I don't know, what reference to little folk that these are or whatever. There are actual cannibal pygmy cultures. Oh, okay. In, well, there's a legend of little folk right. also that are like, they're all, they're dark skin, they're black, they're all black like this. Like shadow. Yeah. Mo- like when shadow. you Like when you say like, that's like, they're, they're shadow right, creatures. Right, or something like that. Like, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so actually... Let's go back a little bit. Let's flip back a little bit in the story. When they get Wellstone, they push him on the couch. Yeah. And then he's on his knees. And then you see this panel where Sarah Jewell is like pointing at him. Right. And he's like kind of like to the side with his eyes. Right. I'm wondering if he's getting the knife there. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. He's getting it somewhere. He where is. is he getting it from? Oh, is no. he getting it from under the couch? Oh, no. Or is it in the couch? Oh, but no. like somehow he ha- he gets a knife. Or is it on his person? But I feel like this part where he's kind of on his knees and he's talking back to all of them. Sure. Like he's he's getting the knife or he's doing knife shit. Yeah. Because, he is doing knife shit. Because we reveal that he's been cutting himself out this whole time. Mm-hmm. So he frees himself from the rope. He's like, back away, all of you. I'm getting out of here. No one can stop me. Well, we can't, Sarah says. But them? And so he's like, no. And here come all the little folk, right? They, here they come. These all shadowy creatures. And they like pull him down into the house. This kind of reminded me of Ghost. Do you remember Ghost? Mm-mm. The Patrick Swayze movie? Yeah. No, I don't Yeah, I remember that. that one. So you remember those black, the black shadows would come and- I never saw that movie. Oh, okay. There's some really scary parts. There's some really intense parts. There's one specific part that used to scare me where the villain of the movie, at the end, he gets pulled down oh, by these black shadowy things, almost exactly like oh, this. Oh, Wow. Have you, oh have, yeah do you I remember forgot that? about that yeah yes i do that's a very scary scene in the movie i'll have to show you just that scene it's actually really okay. cool i wonder if it holds up but i remember it being like really cool but it also kind of scared me too the scene might not hold up if you don't watch the whole movie in context oh okay i see <laughs> i'm just talking about the effect does the special effect hold yeah up? after those little folk pull arlen into the house then the whole house starts collapsing something the whole damn place is coming down sir jewel says Folks, we need to get out of here. So they all run out there, and there's like a big like slurp sound or whatever. Like I'm assuming that's them eating the like guy or poltergeist style. Yeah, or it's like swallowing him up. Yes, poltergeist. That's another like the house yeah. is haunted or there's like a presence in the house. Good. Or the one. house itself is like a fucking right, like, yeah. monster. Yeah. So they run outside, and the house is like pulling in on itself. The headstones. You left the bodies, and you only moved the headstones. You only move the headstones! I like how there's a big crack of lightning, and then the house just, like, totally just falls down or whatever. Good lord, Ms. Wellstone says. Can you imagine, like, that's this giant estate that you used to live in? And now it's just just like, like, (laughs) And then uh, once that happens, the storm stops. So everything clears up now, so I guess that was also... You know, part of this or whatever. The fairy returned to the island soon after and they were all able to get back to the mainland. From Sarah's thought boxes, it says, I had spoken to Lillian about Miss Lee's brother and Huang's quest the day before. And luckily, one of the artifacts didn't end up at the bottom of the sea with the rest. So Lillian has the scroll. She's able to give it to him so he can fulfill his mission to the Golden Crane Society. I wonder if we're going to follow up on any of that. You know, these Sarah Jewel mysteries, like I wonder if they're going to be an ongoing thing. And if they are, maybe they'll end up with Mr. Huang somewhere else doing something with the Golden Crane Society or something like that. Marion Loveland seemed almost completely recovered from her ordeals, though not precisely the same as she had been before. 
So now she's like sober and stuff, but this is a thing now. She talks to this dead guy. No, he's it's, talking to her too. It's yeah. pretty good because she's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go to Rome. What do I care if you don't like Italian food? It's not like you're going to be eating it. Like, what do you care? Like, And then we see his ghost and he's like, just chew with your mouth closed for my sake. Jeez, what a dipshit. <laughs> but I like that we get to actually see his ghost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it is real. She's not crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? She's like, not fucking... I like that we get that little reveal. It's kind of sweet, too. Like, yeah. they were married and then they became rivals and then now he's dead. He's going to haunt her and... I don't know. I just think it's it's kind of cute. It's kind of weird. This yeah. little like this little yeah. relationship. They've really built like a little story with just these two characters as well. Toxic and adorable. Yeah. <laughs> of all the suspects, Madame Saito was the only one who was precisely what she appeared to be. She seemed bored with the whole affair. And then we see her on the boat. She's like, what a waste of time. She, she just wanted <laughs> oh, to go to a weird auction. She just wanted to get some weird stuff in an auction and nothing happened. I love that attitude of just like, ugh. <laughs> this whole fucking thing. God. And Dr. Caliban had at last gotten some answers that his family had sought after so long. As they go away on the boat, Sarah, Mary Therese, and Dr. Caliban, they all watch the wreckage of the house on the island. Man builds an empire seeing the futures of others, Indians, Chinese, black folk. And when the bill comes due, what's left behind? Nothing but bad memories and good riddance if you ask me, Sarah Jewell says. And just as for the living, I hope, or something very much like it, Mary Therese finishes. The end. Just this whole ordeal and everyone's just like, okay. <laughs> I, uh, all right. All right, then. I guess none of us are getting any artifacts. No. <laughs> none of us are getting any cursed fucking artifacts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think this is interesting because in the sketchbook section it says that they had already asked Del Ducca to do this story after she was doing The Longest Night. But now, looking back at that story, I feel like the art looks a little evolved, right? Mm. From The Longest Night to this one. I don't know if it's the color. Oh, maybe it's the colors. Because the colors on The Longest Night, I don't know if they're also by Michelle Madsen or not. I don't know. I actually think they are. I don't know. It just looks like the style is a little different, the way that she draws Sarah Jewell and Mary Therese. Anyway, um, that was a great story. But I love her character concepts in the sketchbook section. Did you see these? Oh, cute. So oh, yeah. the way that she kind of depicts them is like an up close of their face, right. so a detail. But then the bottom is almost like... Um, fashion sketches. Yeah, yeah, fashion sketches. And it's missing... So it gives this weird effect where it looks like they have these giant heads. <laughs> but I just think it's like a very cool stylized... Like I always talk about how... I would love to have some of this behind the scenes art. When I saw this, I was like, this would be cool to oh, have. Like something like this, where it's just yeah. like these weird heads and the, the concept art. I love all that. We get some nice pencils and inks of that cutaway shot of the mansion. Uh, this is another thing that I would love to own are these like kind of sketches of the covers, right? Of the preliminary covers. We get some really oh, cool yeah. ones. I always see some that are like, man, this would have been a cool idea. Like all the hands are pulling Sarah Jewell down. And stuff like that. There's one where all the little folk are coming through like it's a break in the wall or in a dam. They're all mm. like crowding through. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I thought like for the Hellboy universe, there were a couple little references, but for the most part, it was like its own little thing. But I did, I did still like it. You know yeah. what I mean? I like, I it was really enjoyable. I loved all the different characters, and I just love the attitude of Sarah Jewell and Marie Therese. I just like enjoy yeah. though their personalities. And, Two tough ladies. Yeah, and I like the look of them. Like, Sarah Jewell, she's not like... They look like normal human people. They're not like 
sexy spy <laughs> outfits. I mean, they very well could be. They very well could be, and that would be fine, but they're not. And it's, it's just... Fine it's fine, too. It, it's fine, too. Yeah. yeah. This is just like a 1920s murder mystery it's that fine. has like these yeah. weird supernatural they're dressed normally. elements. And uh, it's cool. Yeah, Like I an really average, everyday person. Oh, man. I love this. I thought it was great. It really was that kind of 1920s mystery in a house kind of Agatha Christie kind of vibe kind of feel to it. I love the way the characters looked. I love the way everybody acted. I love all the little red herrings. And then, you know, oh, yeah, it turns out good, it, yeah. was, it was uh, Wellstone was the bad I guy. I wanted to say then... Whetstone. Mm, right yeah yeah but it wasn't but uh but yeah no and i and i agree i mean this was definitely you know had some nods to like other parts of the hellboy universe but it did feel like its own little thing and i really like that because you know it's just like there's like so many different like flavors of the hellboy universe you know and so this was just kind of something new it's like something we haven't i don't think we've ever actually seen yeah in the yeah. universe and so there was, this was nice and it was fun i really enjoyed it yeah, and I feel like, just like you said, I like how you said there are different flavors, because, I mean, like, not that my mom's not cool, but, like, this is one that, like, maybe my mom could read, and sure. she would be like, oh, that was kind of weird, and that was interesting, you know what I mean? It's not like... There's yeah. not a lot of overly grotesque. There's not, like, people with their faces peeled disgusting. off and whatnot, right? <laughs> or people being drugged down to hell or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're not talking about, like, Astaroth and whatnot, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, she wouldn't like that. I don't think she, I don't think my mom would like that. Okay. I don't think my mom would like stuff like that. But this, she would. Be, I think that. Sure. You know, I don't know. I think it's just a little bit more accessible too. I didn't think about that, Aubrey, until you said that. Two ladies investigating a yeah. spooky murder. Good stuff. Yeah. 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 Or, or or my dad. I'm not saying just my mom because it's ladies. This is something my dad would appreciate too, probably. So cool. Share it with your parents. See what they think. <laughs> Do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I really love this story. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Let us know more Halloween stuff. I guess we didn't talk about Halloween stuff too much on here. There were Halloween elements, right, mm. uh, to this story. I mean, it was like scary things. monsters and shit. Yeah, haunted house stuff and all that stuff. So, yeah. I haven't really watched too many Halloween movies since yes, last time. Yeah, we did. What did we watch? We watched some Halloween stuff. Some uh, some episodes of The X-Files. I want to watch that new Hellraiser. Oh, I definitely want to see that. Yeah, I definitely want to see the new Hellraiser. So, yeah, continue to let us know. Oh, Christopher Egan's sent me a great list of werewolf movies oh fun i was talking about on book club members last week that i want to watch a lot of werewolf movies we were naming last time we were naming like various spooky movies we like for halloween time like we're talking about uh the burbs and and the beetlejuice and uh -huh. stuff like that does ghostbusters fit in there because they have oh, yeah. spooky ghosts ghosts is, ghostbusters is definitely in, in there, there. okay yeah continue to check us out for more halloween content over at book club members and now Aubrey's going to say all the things. The Sarah Jewel Mysteries, The House of Lost Horizon. That was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I want to hear what your thoughts. You can send us a hey damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website and our Facebook About section and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Gutterhan for the letter scene music. Thank you, Paul. Yes, thank you. Thank you to, uh, I guess, everybody. John, Danielle, Mark, anybody? <laughs> everybody. All the friendship. Everybody. All the book club members. Everybody. Thank you for uh, listening and enjoying it. And if you're uh, enjoying what you're listening to, why don't you uh, open up that app and give us a five-star review and a comment. That would be really awesome. And tell a friend about the podcast. Could tell them you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Yes, do it. Next week, we are going to be doing a movie commentary over at Book Club Member Comics. We are doing Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, shit. And we're also going to be talking about the difference between the comics uh, that Mignola did the art for. Yeah. So, 
you guys know what to do. Pull out those comic issues, read that up, watch that movie, and join us next week at Book Club Member Comics. And we'll be back on the Hellboy Book Club podcast next month. So see you there. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. And I was pretty drunk at the time, so the details are a little fuzzy. <laughs> and I'm Aubrey Lobo saying, there's been a murder. Yeah. <laughs> Thunder and lightning sound effects. <laughs>